0: Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Grant us peace. Come, Holy Spirit, and heal all that is broken in our lives, in our streets, and in our world. Amen. Okay, so back to thinking about this text that we read. Um, So this whole text, to me, feels deeply relevant to our journey through Women's History Month for many reasons, Um, in part because it demonstrates uh, the courage of one woman who, because she had no one else to advocate for her, had to advocate for herself and did so with authenticity uh, and strength. It also demonstrates the behavior of a man who advocated on behalf of a young woman, his daughter, when she was unable to stand for herself. And it's a text that gives us insight into the priorities of Jesus, which can and ought teach us about how to arrange our own priorities, particularly as we think about women and women's liberation. When we enter this story in in this chapter of Mark, Jesus had just returned to Jewish territory after having cast out an unclean spirit from a man in a Gentile city across the Sea of Galilee. Immediately upon his arrival, Jesus gets off the boat and is swarmed by a large crowd of people. This has been starting to happen to Jesus most places that he's going at this point. Everyone everywhere is beginning to hear about this man, Jesus, and the remarkable things that he's been doing. People want to be near him, to hear him, to glimpse him him in action, and perhaps to find some healing for themselves. Among those in the crowd was a man named Jairus, who we're told was a leader in the synagogue. That we know this man's name and one of the roles he played in his his community uh, indicates that Jairus had some kind of significant status. In the grand scheme of Jesus' own narrative, Jairus is sort of a side character. But for Mark, he's still important enough to name Though Jesus is often in conflict with Jewish religious leaders, Jairus, perhaps out of belief in the miraculous things he has heard about Jesus, or perhaps out of desperation, decides to approach Jesus with a specific request. Upon encountering him, Jairus, this well-known, well-respected leader, immediately falls on his knees and begins to beg Jesus to come with him so that he can lay hands on Jairus' daughter and save her. Jesus hears Jairus' cry, he hears the desperation, fear, and grief in Jairus' voice, and he agrees to go to his daughter. And so Jesus and his disciples begin to follow Jairus, making their way through this massive crowd. The text makes it clear that the crowd was not just watching from a distance, but was pressing in on Jesus. Within this crowd was a woman who, in contrast to Jairus, remains unnamed. The English translation of the Greek uh, text states that the woman had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. The Greek is a little more vague, simply stating that this woman, this woman had been with a flow of blood for 12 years. Regardless of what exactly was causing the bleeding, this woman would have been uh, considered ritua- ritually unclean. Additionally, not only has she suffered from this blood flow uh, for 12 years, but the text says that she has also suffered under many physicians and that she had spent all that she had on those medical bills with nothing to show for it except more desperation, more suffering. Unlike Gyrus, it seems as if this woman had no intention of drawing attention to herself or her predicament. Perhaps attracting attention for this woman could have gotten her in trouble if people recognized her as someone who was unclean. At any rate, it would have at least, I imagine, increased any shame or embarrassment that she was already bearing. Besides, it was clear that Jesus was on a mission and in a rush. But she had overcome so many obstacles to be there that day, to get as close as she had. She had already spent all day, all she had on uh, doctors who were unsuccessful in offering healing to her. And so she thought to herself, if I could just touch this person— even if I could just touch his clothes, perhaps I might at last know peace, perhaps I might at last be healed. And so this woman, as we read, uh, did reach out, and upon touching the hem of Jesus's clothes, she felt instantly that she had been healed. The flow of blood that she had experienced for 12 years immediately dried up. In the same instance, when this woman experiences healing, Jesus recognized that a miracle had been stolen. He felt power go out of him, and so he stopped in his tracks. Despite the urgency of the mission he was on, he stopped and he asked the crowd, "'Who touched me?' His disciples, looking around at the swarming masses of people, looked at Jesus and said, "'Are you serious?' What kind of question is that? It could have been literally anyone. Truthfully, if I had been this woman, I think I would have tried to sneak away. The physical healing had already been experienced. The crowd was large enough that she could have slipped away unnoticed, but she doesn't. Instead, in another act, this one made not out of courage, according to Mark, but instead out of fear, the woman comes forward. She, like Jairus earlier, falls on her knees in front of Jesus, and this time, it's her chance to speak to Jesus of her desperation. The text here reads that the woman told Jesus the whole truth. She told him everything. She shared her story. She told him about the despair, the isolation, the fear, and the pain that she had lived with daily for 12 years. She told him about her experiences with the physicians and how she no longer had anything because of the expenses of those visits. She told him about why she was in the crowd that day and what she had hoped for, what she had to overcome in order to be there. And Jesus listened. He didn't rush her. He didn't make assumptions about her or her intentions. He let her speak her truth And he listened and he believed her. Jesus made space for a woman and a ritually unclean woman to advocate for herself, to write her own narrative, to for the first time maybe ever get to speak for herself rather than allowing society to define her identity. When I read this story I can't help but think of Jairus in this moment. The relief he must have felt when Jesus agreed to come with him perhaps began to dissipate the longer the woman spoke. The hope of getting to his daughter before her death was fading with each second they were stalled by this unnamed woman. But Jesus knew what had to be done. And while Jairus' daughter did need to be healed, this woman who had already experienced physical healing at this point needed to be heard. Jesus didn't stop doing what he set out to do. No, he actually moved deeper into that call. Jesus listened to this unnamed woman, this woman who had come forward alone because she had no advocate except herself. And after letting her speak the whole truth, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, healed. Jesus, in this moment, yes, affirmed her physical healing, but he also went further than that by taking the time to listen to her. And then by calling her daughter, Jesus affirms this woman's humanity and lended her the dignity and respect that she had always deserved. This woman was healed of her physical affliction, and she was also healed of her isolation through being listened to. When Jesus uttered these words, "'Daughter, your faith has made you well,' I imagine that Jairus thinks about his own daughter and pictures her, helpless and in pain. Jairus' daughter is so near death that she doesn't have the ability to have faith enough to make her well. She, unlike the woman in the crowd, couldn't come and touch Jesus' clothes. She was in a position of immobility, a position of perhaps even greater vulnerability than the unnamed woman was in. And while Jesus was speaking to that woman from the crowd, the text reads that someone from Jairus' household comes up and tells him that his daughter has died. There's no use to to bringing Jesus to her after all. Jairus might as well leave him alone. Jesus turns from this woman whom he called daughter to look at Jairus and indicate that they will continue to his home. Jesus tells Jairus to not fear but only believe. We are left to assume that Jairus somehow manages this task. Perhaps this was only possible for Jairus because he had just witnessed the miracle experienced by the woman in the crowd, and he had just heard her story. While Jairus' daughter was unable to have faith because of her position in that moment, Jairus was called by Jesus to have faith on her behalf. And when they arrived at Jairus' home, Jesus addresses the crowd of mourners and assures them that the girl has not died but is only sleeping. To this, the crowd laughs, believing Jesus to be foolish. Nevertheless, Jesus goes to the girl's room with her parents and a few of his disciples. He takes her hand and he tells her to rise. These two narratives are deeply intertwined, and so, to me, kind of demonstrate the entanglement of our lives with all other lives. The healing of Jairus' daughter was all the more miraculous and all the more powerful because of the woman in the crowd that Jesus and the crowd around him were able to listen to. Despite the urgency of Jesus' task, despite Jairus' desperation, Jesus knew he had to listen to the story of this unnamed woman, because her story was significant. In telling Jesus her whole truth, which spoke only of her unique and specific experience, she actually illuminated more universal truths. That many go unheard and many go unhealed. That the difficulties people find themselves in are not always due to their own failures that in the most devastating and difficult moments of our lives, if we can find something, someone to believe in or to hope in, we can carry on and find courage within ourselves. There's challenge in this text and there's also hope, beauty, and comfort. We are not alone in our suffering. Jesus hears our cries and responds. Jesus accompanies us in our grief. My prayer is that all women, like the woman in the crowd, might have the audacity to approach those who are in the position to address our needs, to advocate for herself and to share her whole truth. And I pray that we, like Jesus, might recognize that our call is to listen, to believe, and to respond in love to all people, but especially those who have historically and still presently go largely unheard. Further, I pray that when we recognize those who are unable to come forward to speak on their own behalf, especially the most vulnerable among us, the undocumented, the disabled, women of color, trans women, children, the poor, that we, like Jairus, might recognize our own position and be willing to have faith and to act as an advocate on their behalf. Amen.